the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Over the line, or closing, he's in. A backhander and a save by Tony Esposito. Stan Mikita was a, a small guy, very cocky in those days. A right hand by Magnuson, and he puts that guy down. Magnuson trying to tear his hair out. NBC Chicago's James Naveau. Murphy picked out a minute. Odyssey Chicago Hockey Insider, Jay Zawoski. No more! Hawks win! Hawks win again! Chris Jelios in overtime! Fardo Blue Wire Podcast. Came off the boards, he shoots, he's going down to the Tays! A game-winning goal! The Hawks live to fight another day! Falling back, circle of drives, skipped it from The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Chicago's going to be in last place forever. Play the center for Tays, you got to break away! Triple Threat Sports, Fry the Coop, and by the Sins In-Law Group, let's drop the puck. Welcome in, friends. This is indeed the Madhouse Chicago. Hold on a second. I'm going to pass the puck back just like the Islanders did. Just pause. Pause. <laughs> That's the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. I'm James Naveau. We we are coming to you after the Blackhawks beat the Islanders in what was a very entertaining and then boring and then entertaining again <laughs> game. And Jay Zawoski of six seven or sorry WBBM Odyssey. That's the I think that's the first time I've screwed that up since you. Uh, Left the score. That's actually, I got so it, like wrapped up in my Islanders joke <laughs> that I completely messed up the intro. It's funny. My uh, apologies, Jay. It's impressive. You do a lot of good things. No, it's very impressive that you've not done that yet because there's a whole portion of people that think I still work at the score. No, like, man, this- you are with Odyssey. You're with WBBM. You're with the I'm Fat Podcast. Like you, I am have a very well defined and awesome job now that involves podcasting and creating contact with Nick Shepkowski. By the way, yeah, I, I had to throw that Shep was on. great. Yeah, for some Notre Dame conversation. Why not? Right, that was a big story of the week. So, yeah, a lot of fun. You know, it's funny. Like my old job, people were really interested in. Like, oh, you work at the score, huh? That must be cool. I'm like, yeah, you know, I tell them a story or two. And I'm like, what do you do now? I'm like, oh, I develop podcasts, and you already see them like tune out and start to faint. I'm like, oh, good, I don't have to talk about my job anymore. It's wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> I very, I very much appreciate that no one cares about my job anymore. Anyway, any th- hoodles. Thanks for joining us on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. You can make sure you follow us on all of our social medias. We are on Twitter at Madhouse Pod, Instagram Madhouse underscore Pod, and Facebook Madhouse Hockey Pod. We have our T Public Shop. I think there's a sale going on. If not, there'll probably be one tomorrow. They are constant. They are never ending. So stock up for the holidays. Uh, something I failed to mention. I wrote a Hawks book. It came out last year. If you're looking for a last minute uh, gift for the Hawks fan in your life and you'd like a signed personalized copy of my book, go to madhousepod.com slash book. Fill out that form and we will ship you a book. Sign seeing messages uh, yeah. more expensive, by the way. Whatever you want. I will I will write it. Whatever you I'm like Ron Burgundy. Whatever you put on that note, I will sign it. So uh <laughs> 20 books, 20 bucks signed and shipped. I've got a case of books left to go. Once they're gone, they're gone. But uh for the holidays, I've got 20 at a special price of 20 bucks uh signed and shipped out right to your door in time for Christmas. So uh madhousepod.com slash book. All right, Hawks win. Three, two in a shootout in like one of the most even games I've ever seen in my life. And it was only appropriate that it went to overtime. And then the Islanders (laughs) 
like played in rewind. I don't know what the hell that was. It was bizarre. Uh, there were two theories that I saw posited on social media. And for listeners who missed the game, essentially what ended up happening was for probably the first two minutes or so of overtime, the Islanders had won the face-off to start out the overtime. Shocking. They, they kept passing the puck back across the blue line into the neutral zone and then occasionally even into the defensive zone. They slowly churned through their players. They just kind of looked like they weren't in any particular rush. The theories that I saw posited that perhaps they were trying to wear out the Blackhawks' top line knowing that they had played last night and they knew Seth Jones and Patrick Kane, who were both on the ice to start the overtime, knowing that both of those guys had logged a lot of minutes the last two games. And then the other theory was that they were playing a little bit nervous and trying to play to get to the shootout because they had lost 10 straight games prior <laughs> yeah. to this one. I'm going to go with option B because Seth Jones and Patrick Kane were basically standing like, what are they doing? <laughs> they, they, they had to skate with a lot of effort to watch the uh, Islanders skate backwards. But yeah, anyway, interesting uh, shootout. Uh, not a lot going on. I'm sorry, overtime. Not a lot going on. But the shootout, Patrick Kane is the one shooter to score. And James, I have a nugget for you. Nugget. All right, let's see. Play along in your cards if you didn't see Mario Tirabasi's tweet. That was the. Well, you shouldn't have even told him he tweeted it because then they can like look it up and cheat. Well, if you let me say it quickly enough. That's fair. Jerk. Okay. So <laughs> that was the. If you're driving, do not look this up. <laughs> no, please don't. I'm going to tell you in a moment. That was the 21st game deciding shootout goal for Patrick Kane. Good for second all time. Mm. James, I'll give you 7 million guesses and you'll never guess who number one is. Current player. I was going to say, is it a current player? Um, well, I mean, I. Obvious guess, I think, off the bat for me would be Jonathan Taves. Uh, correction. I'm sorry. He is playing in Europe this year. Oh, okay. And this is all well, time in the NHL, not just well, the Well, then, obviously, Jonathan Taves would not be the answer that I would select. No. This is so um, second all-time in NHL history. Played in the league last year, is now playing in Germany. Well, that also removed it because I would have said something like Pavel Datsuk or Ilya Kovalchuk then. Mm-hmm. No, I got six million nine hundred ninety nine thousand nine hundred ninety seven more guesses. Is Yarmir Yager still kicking around? No, there's no way he would have had that many shootout goals. No, and this guy played in the NHL last year. I'm just going to give you the answer because you'll never get it. Okay, Franz Nielsen. Oh, good God! Has no has twenty three game deciding shootout goals happen in a game against the Islanders? Isn't that crazy? Yeah. I mean, how long? How the hell did he have that many? (laughs) I don't know. It's bizarre, but that's nugget. That's nugget courtesy of Mario Cherbasi. I thought that was fascinating. So Kane, second all time. uh, And he, I I believe he will surpass Franz Nielsen. I think he'll get two more uh, shootout winning goals. But let's get into this game a little bit because, look, you're playing without your two. Well, your best defenseman is Seth Jones. That's a given. But you're without Connor Murphy. You're without Jake McCabe. You're playing back to back nights. Against, look, the Islanders are really struggling this year for myriad reasons, but this was a team that was awesome last year and had cup aspirations this year. And last night you played the Red Hot Rangers in a really even, solid game. Um, I think you kind of have to be pleased with the outcome. And I know giving up a a game-tying goal with, what, like 3.8 left on the clock when it was all said and done is not ideal, 
But look, man, the Hawks have played well over their last two games. Uh, they only got two points out of it, but thank God they got those two because they, they certainly deserve to win this game, I thought. Uh, yeah, I, I think that that's a very uh, fair point to make. And you did allude to the struggles that the Islanders have been having recently. And I know that we've kind of pointed out occasionally on this podcast that some of the Blackhawks victories under head coach uh, Derek King, by the way, very snazzily dressed this evening, I very will say snazzy. about uh, – a Derek King. Um, some of the victories that have been had under him have been against kind of some weaker teams who have been kind of scuffling a little bit. But you know what? These were not games that the Blackhawks are winning earlier in the season. They just weren't. And I think that we saw a really solid defensive effort at all levels from the Blackhawks tonight. There was a stretch in the, I think it was the second period of the game, that the Islanders were just generating shot after shot after shot. The Blackhawks kept blocking them, and that's not something that they were really doing a ton of earlier in the season. There would be a lot of kind of peppering of Marc-Andre Fleury going on in that situation, but I thought the Blackhawks were doing a really nice job of forcing the Islanders into kind of some low-danger chances in situations like that. And yes, the Islanders did have their share of good chances that Marc-Andre Fleury was able to stop tonight, but I also thought that they were doing a really nice job of kind of clogging stuff up and really playing a simple, uh, straightforward defensive game tonight. And I thought they did a really nice job of kind of limiting those kind of hair-raising moments. And I think that's been kind of a hallmark of some of their wins this season and I think you kind of phrased it perfectly earlier in the year when you said that every single Blackhawks game, as soon as they, you know, would hit any kind of adversity, it would just be like a chaotic gong show going on. Mm -hmm. This game never got out of control like that, even in situations where the Islanders were kind of pressing a little bit. And I have to give the Blackhawks credit for how composed they stayed and how disciplined uh, they stayed throughout the game. And I think that's sort of been the Derek King message since he arrived, right? Kind of with everybody. Just keep it simple. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. Not everything needs to be complicated. And you heard even the players sort of echo that when they were asked, you know, early on in, in King's tenure, like, what are the differences you noticed? And everyone just sort of said like, oh, yeah, it's way less complicated. We're not thinking as much out there. And it reflects when you look back at like the latest stretch of Hawks games, they're not giving up four, five, six goals. It's two goals. It's three goals. And occasionally you'll give up four, right? Like those games are going to happen. But for the most part, the defense has been really sound. And that, to me, has been the primary difference. There's not a wild stylistic or system change, but it's the way they're executing things, right? It's just the way that they're making safer plays or skating the puck out of trouble instead of just kind of throwing it blindly to a spot, which is what seemed like what they were doing under Jeremy Colleton. I think that what Derek King has brought in, and Mark Crawford, of course, deserves a lot of credit because he's the guy kind of really running practices and things from all reports. He's just, it, it just remember how he said, why can't the Hawks just be normal earlier in the year? Mm -hmm. They're a normal hockey team right now. Are they any good? I don't know. It remains to be seen. They're eight and four under Derek King, which is a good record, obviously. Um, and it still is very unlikely they're going to make the playoffs, but you're seeing them compete. You're seeing them play hard. Uh, and you're seeing some guys, you know, come up and play and 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 look pretty good. Like Ian Mitchell, I think it's played two of his best games as a Hawk back to back uh, in this one. 16-22 of ice time. It even strength for Ian Mitchell tonight. That that's crazy. I feel like I barely noticed him, and that's a good thing with a young defenseman, right? Yeah. Uh, unless they're scoring, you want a guy who's going to keep the puck out of trouble. Josiah Slavin, 
I love this guy, man. This might be my new guy. That he does not look like he wants to go back to Rockford ever. I don't know if he had a right. bad experience at the world famous Taco Bell there or something, but Josiah Slevin, the best is, Mexican restaurant in Rockford, <laughs> that's don't <right>. forget <laughs> exactly. He's come in and has really fit in, and I like his patience with the puck. There will be times where you can see him maybe force a pass or rush a pass, but he takes an extra look, an extra step or two, takes his time and makes a really nice play. You've seen him generate some scoring chances uh, off his uh, passing several times. Remember, he set up the Seth Jones goal the other night on a nice sort of peel pass on the boards. Uh, I've seen a lot of good things from him. Uh, Riley Stillman returns to the lineup and looks good, right? Everyone's kind of, you know, you're seeing this thing sort of start to take shape and you're starting to see with some consistency in the lineup, some consistency in the lines, what we all sort of thought this team was going to look like when the season began, right? Like what they're playing like now is kind of what we expected all along. If things go just right for them, they might squeak into the playoffs. That's the kind of team they are right now. It's just too bad. It took however many games to move on from Jeremy Cowton to get to this point. Uh, yeah, and and I think that you're kind of pointing out those guys as kind of making some subtle differences in the bottom six and the bottom pairing. Those points are well taken. The Blackhawks were a team that we kind of had questions about their depth coming into the season, what kind of uh, roster construction we were going to see in that area, and it, it's kind of papering over some of the issues they've been having with their lack of top-end scoring this season, which has probably been their kind of biggest bugaboo and the reason that they are not in a playoff spot right now is because they're just not getting any offensive production at all from those Kirby Docks and Jonathan Taves is at the top of their lineup and those bottom six guys kind of jumping in and helping out uh, creating those types of opportunities and keeping them in games with some really solid defensive work I think is really been a key under Derek King and really has been kind of a hallmark of his success so far. I do also want to shout out one other, another player that I thought really had a nice night tonight and we sing his praises constantly. So it's kind of become rote at this point, just to always say, Oh yeah. And Brandon Hagel had a really yeah. nice game, but he had another one tonight, had a goal tonight. Uh, shin, it looked like a shin pad goal from what I had seen when he had scored it, had a hit tonight, just all over the place. Um, both ends of the ice, just constantly generating energy, which is such a critical thing when you're coming off of a back-to-back type of game like this, you always need kind of that spark plug guy. And that is absolutely what Brandon Hagel keeps providing to this team night in and night out. He was one of their top Corsi performers tonight. I thought he had a really nice night on both ends of the ice. And it's just, it's such a joy to watch him play when that energy level is there. And when he is kind of in full health, because he is such a difference maker and that is not not at all the kind of trajectory that I could have seen his career kind of taking. No, it doesn't seem to be. I think part of us, like going into the season, was wondering, will there be a correction? Like, is he just going to sort of regress into what we all sort of thought he was, was like bottom six guy who you play sparingly in a checking role? Nope. Hagel has excelled expectations, exceeded expectations this year offensively, and he's just every night he becomes one of their most reliable players. Two more guys I kind of want to mention in that vein, and funny enough, they are number one and two in possession in this game. Henrik Borgstrom really starting to come into his own. You're seeing him with some confidence with the puck. I know the points aren't coming yet, but you're seeing him uh, really kind of 
the game appears to be slowing down for him a little bit, right? Like anytime mm-hmm. a new player comes into the league, it's that adjustment, right? From from the European hockey to the American hockey, it takes a little while. He's had, I think, what now, eight games in a row for Borgstrom, and you're starting to see, okay, now I see what Stan Bowman liked so much when he made that trade with Florida to get him. He was 72.73 in the Corsi in this game, 66.67 in the Fenwick, uh, just eight shot attempts for three against with him on the ice. I thought he was really solid, um, just uh, start top to bottom. Um, five scoring chances for and zero against with him on the ice. So Borgstrom starting to find his game. Now he's got to find the back of the net like so many other Hawks. And a guy we talked about at length on the last podcast, Eric Gustafson, 71.43 in Corsi, 70.59 in Fenwick. 15 shot attempts, four with him on the ice, six against. He's really playing well. And there was another, probably the Athletic, wrote about what what Derek King wanted differently from Eric Gustafson, and it was sort of the same thing. Keep it simple. Make the safe play. When the time comes, you'll get your opportunity to activate. And he did. 18.55 of ice time, three shots on goal, two more shot attempts, uh, and he was also credited with a hit in this game. He is starting to become... A, I don't want to say reliable defender. That's probably uh, stretching it a little bit, but he is an adequate defender, which is something more than I think any of us predicted would happen when they brought him back this season. I think my only small criticism of him, and I will say small with a small case C, because he has been playing small a starts good with amount. an S, James. <laughs> Shut up! You did. You said a small case. C. I quit. I quit the podcast. You, you're on your own, you jerk. I know what you were saying. I'm kidding. Any hoodles. Um, <laughs> I I wanted to say that I think that you still want to see a little bit more offense out of him. Just if he's going to be an adequate defender, that's something that you want to see out of him, especially if he's going to be the the quarterback on the top power play unit, which he still is even amid all the changes that the Blackhawks are kind of making on their power play units. I would like to see a little bit more offense out of him. We saw some of that tonight. He did get an assist tonight. He did have three shots on goal tonight. Um, just want to see him kind of continue to trend in that direction. He only has two points, I think, his last, like, 14 games, if I remember correctly, including tonight. So well, just pa- need to see yeah. a, a little bit more of that from him. And then adequate defense and a little extra scoring from him. I, I'm comfortable putting him in that bottom pairing, if that's going to be the case. I still – want Connor Murphy and Jake McKay back in the lineup as soon as I can get them back in the lineup. But as long as you're deploying Gustafson correctly and not uh, relying on him to do too much, I'm comfortable putting him into the spots that they've been putting him in for right now. He's playing some of his best hockey that he's played as a Blackhawk. um, And it's been... It's been a pleasant uh, change of pace for him. I've really liked that. Yeah, and I'm, I sort of wonder, you know, as, as Derek King comes in and, and changes things here, now 12 games into his tenure as interim head coach, the focus was definitely defense, and it needed to be, right, for everybody. The Hawks were just a sieve and giving up chance after chance after chance, night after night after night. When you got Marc-Andre Fleury with like a sub-85 save percentage, that tells you that your defense is horrible. Right. Mm-hmm. Like that, that, like the eye test wasn't enough when you have like one of the best goalies in the history of the game looking like uh, what's oh, my God, I'm going to forget his name. Zhang Gi, uh, what's the going to his name in Slapshot? 
I'm blanking on his last name. Anyway, you know who I'm talking about, but just sort of like flailing wildly uh, in the net. <laughs> it's just he's turned it around and his big turnaround is, has been a huge part of why the Hawks have been better, but it's also a product of just a team defense being better. Denny Lemieux was his name. Thank you. Oh, there you go. Yes. I don't know why I, I went was, to JP. I was blanking yeah. on it, too. Yeah, Denny Lemieux uh, is a slap shot goalie. People are screaming at me, it's Denny Lemieux, you ass. Is there they all drove off the road. <laughs> that, after trying to look up earlier who had the most uh, game-deciding goals and shootouts, they <laughs> have now looked up the slap shot goalie and have also driven off the road again. Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast is brought to you by our friends at Fry the Coop and FryTheCoop.com. Go get the best damn hot chicken you've ever had. You're in Oaklawn, Elmhurst, Westtown, Prospect Heights, Tinley Park. If you're in the Chicagoland area, and chances are you are, there is a Fry the Coop near you. Go to FryTheCoop.com, check out their menu, go dine in. They're open for business. They've got a great craft beer selection. I wonder if they have any of that chicken versus unicorn uh, Pipeworks collaboration left. I'm going to have to call and check, or just maybe go find out for myself. That sounds even better. Do that. Go to FryTheCoop.com, get some damn good hot chicken. All right, James, a guy that you and I have been really hard on for the last month, Kirby Doc, seems to be getting the message to shoot the damn puck, doesn't he? Have you noticed the last few games he's been firing more often? He had a chance in overtime, and I wanted to go back and rewind, but here's what happened. My game recording cut off, and the post-game recording started as soon as Taves fed that goal mouth pass to him. So I couldn't rewind and watch to see if his stick was on the ice, but he had several chances in front of the net where he was not hesitating to shoot the puck. It seems like Kirby is starting to get the message about shooting the damn puck. Well, he was probably told either start shooting the puck or find an apartment in Rockford for a while because we're getting tired of your nonsense. Uh, And yes, I was going to point that out on this uh, edition of the show because I did notice it, especially tonight, where I thought that he was getting into some really good scoring areas. I feel like he had been a little bit in previous games, but tonight it was really noticeable that Kirby Doc is kind of starting to find those open seams, and he's kind of driving into them with a little more intensity, a little more purpose. He's getting to those spots before they can kind of close up, and – He's going to score eventually. I feel like there's going to be a little bit of a run coming here for Kirby Doc, assuming he can actually put the puck on nets uh, frequently. He had a couple of missed opportunities in recent games, but I, I feel I do kind of feel what you feel that the tide may be starting to turn a little bit with him just because of the fact that he is getting to those areas and he's getting really nice passes from his line mates in those spots too. It's just, they've, they've maybe been just a skosh off or bouncing a little bit. I feel like those bounces are going to even out a little bit. And if he keeps getting to those areas, he's going to start putting the puck in the net. And that's exactly what they needed from him is for him to kind of start playing with a little more assertiveness, a little more intensity in those areas. And just like you said, being willing to, you know, let her rip and shoot that puck. And he is really starting to do that. And I was going to point that out tonight because I definitely thought that it was noticeable and having kind of focused on him as much as we have in recent weeks, just as kind of a, you know, a symptom of kind of what's been ailing the Blackhawks. I feel like he's maybe going to start coming close to turning this thing around a little bit this season. I'm looking at the natural stat trick individual event map. So you can go on that site, 
pick the Blackhawks game. And as you scroll down the menu, you see individual event maps. You select the player and you can sort of look at everything they did on the ice. I'm looking at all four of the shot attempts that Kirby Doc had. They're all in or right in front of the goal of the goal. One of his two shots on goal is actually like a 50 50 in the crease in the slot sort of a thing. The other three are right on top of the crease. He, like you said, is getting those chances right up close. He's got the ability to get that shot off quickly. And I think that might be part of it is saying, look, we don't want you playing on the perimeter, right? Because all you're going to do is look to pass and you're not going to be aggressive. If you're in front and the puck comes your way, you're going to want to shoot that puck. Your instinct's going to be get it on net quickly. And that's what he did. I thought he deserved a penalty uh, or a, a, the Hawks deserved a power play. He was pulled down. And I think it was the, I don't know if it was overtime or the third, but it was the overtime or no, it was the third period. He was pulled mm-hmm. down like right in front of the Islanders net, but still got a shot on goal. That's where he's going to have his success. Yes. He's got skill. Yes. He's got great hands, but more than anything, he's got great size. Look at uh, Anders size, Lee. man. Yes. When I look at Anders Lee from the Islanders, that's how I want doc to play. Right? Mm-hmm. Like th- just get in front of the net, that Dobson goal. To send the game to overtime. God, how good was Noah Dobson today, by the way? Holy Woo. crap. That dude. Yeah. I want to read his line real quick. He had, uh, where'd it go? Here we go. 26-14 of ice time. Obviously, the game-tying goal with three seconds left. Five shots. Two more shot attempts. Three more of his shot attempts were blocked. Two hits. Two takeaways and a block shot. That, my friend, is a hell of a line by Noah Dobson. He was awesome. But Anders Lee... That's the sort of dude I want Kirby Doc to model his game after. I know Lee's a winger and all those sort of things, but on the power play, he's parking his ass in front. He's causing traffic. He's causing havoc with his size and his willingness to engage. And that's how Doc played tonight. And this, it's make no mistake, this is one of his most effective games in weeks. Yeah, and Anders Lee, like you mentioned, is just a tank in front of the net. He also does outweigh Kirby Doc by about 35 pounds. So maybe... Uh... Doc needs to put uh, start listening to the I'm Fat podcast a little bit and <laughs> kind of grow that caboose a bit if he wants to get to truly uh, Anders Lee levels. Well, we know how to help. <laughs> Just call us Kirby. We'll t- <laughs> we'll take care of it, man. We got it. We got we have plenty of tips for you. This is an open offer from the Madhouse <laughs> Chicago Hockey Podcast, where Jay will give Kirby Doc lessons in fatitude. I think would be a really good idea. Here, if you feel shame at the end of the day, you did it right. <laughs> that, that's what i Are would you say filled with a sense of regret then you did <laughs> yeah. life right oh man it's uh anyway it's a different show for a different day uh yeah i want to mention too dylan strom scoring a goal still you know mark lazarus wrote about him after last night's game against the rangers and you know how they're working on his consistency working on his skating his decision making his play off the puck and it's been getting better a little bit, but even Derek King, who is like the most optimistic guy in the world, was like, ah, there's still a ways to go with Dylan. It's interesting how, and this sort of goes back to what we talked about the other podcast where my source told me that just the work ethic just hasn't been there for Dylan this year. And maybe the coaches are seeing that. And look, if a guy's going to be that way, the coach in the media is not going to be like, oh, he's playing great. He'll be fine. If he's disappointed, he's going to reflect that in the media. And I think, we're starting to see a little bit of evidence that I'm a Dylan Strom fan. I still am. I still think he's got value. They just need to find out how to unlock him. And I think, you know, playing him with Alex to is a good idea. They've got great chemistry, spent most of his time with him uh, tonight. So I, I, I'm keeping him in the lineup until he figures it out. 
And then if some trade package comes along and blows you away, then do it. But I still have faith in Dylan Stroman. Maybe I'm the last guy. Maybe maybe I'm the last one, but I thought he played well. If, if they're not going to get offensive production out of Jonathan Taves and Kirby Doc, I mean, that door is still wide open for him to be a productive member of the top six of this team. I think that yep. if he can get that effort level up and get that production level up to – uh, areas that it was when he first came over to the Blackhawks and he was averaging almost a point a game. If he can get back to like 75% of that, he's going to have a consistent role in that group. And they need him to do that because they need somebody to step up in that way. And the one other thing we haven't had a chance to talk about is the Tyler Johnson news. Uh, we'd all been sort of wondering what's going on with him. He uh, underwent next. They found surgery. him in a shack in Montana. With it was very odd. <laughs> he was building uh, pipe bombs with the uh, with uh, Ted Kaczynski. Like I think we're dating ourselves. Get back here, Tyler. <laughs> what are you doing? It's like like Brick when he hit when he's fighting for the other team in Anchorman. Yep. <laughs> yeah. He's like laughing at them as they make jokes about him, and they're like, get back over here. Yeah. So uh, last week, Tyler Johnson underwent neck surgery. Uh, prognosis is good. Anticipated return to play is approximately three months. This is the identical surgery that Jack Eichel had. This is the surgery the Sabres yep. did not want him to get. They traded him to Vegas. Vegas was like, yes, get the surgery because we want you to play. He did. We would like you to play hockey for us. Yeah, that apparently went well. So now Tyler Johnson is the second player in NHL history to undergo the surgery. And uh, everyone seems to think it went pretty well. So there we are. It's uh Three months without Tyler Johnson, and uh, look, if they are, I don't know, I, it's probably going to be what, December, January, February, March. Might hey be man, too late, it's a but, prognosis hey, and a path forward. I think that's ultimately the most important thing, and this surgery does seem like it's kind of holding the key to uh, fixing something with the neck that maybe was kind of chronic previously in NHL circles. And if he can get back on the ice and be productive, that is a huge boost for the Blackhawks, and you would love to see it. Uh, some other news around the league, too, before we wrap up. Bruce Boudreau is the new coach of the Vancouver Canucks. Travis Green has been fired. And I believe, if I saw it correctly, Jim Benning and John Weisbrot are out as GM and associate GM uh, Chris Gear, I don't know who that is, steps into the uh, interim role, but the big changes with the Vancouver Canucks. You know what you you know what you hate to see it, don't you? Also, uh, Malcolm Subban gave up six goals and got injured in his debut with the Sabres, oh, so that was kind of a no. bummer to see. Is he like hurt, bad hurt, or just like? I don't think they've provided it. I haven't seen an update on it yet, but yeah, just that is not a. That's not a great way to start. That really sucked. That sucks. I am really rooting for him. I, I like him. Me too. I, I hope he does well, but that's that's brutal. Oy, oh, boy. All right. Well, hopefully uh, he's getting better. Uh, Tavo had two goals in that game, by the way. Just looked it up. My beloved little man. Uh, he has uh, 100 goals with the uh, Hurricanes now, right? <sighs> that's it for the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. Jerk. No, thanks for listening. We appreciate it. Uh, remember, uh, if you're looking for a book for the holidays, my b- book, The Big 50, The Men and Moments That Made the Chicago Blackhawks, is available. I got one case to go, which I think is like 18 books. Uh, signed, personalized, shipped to you for 20 bucks. Go to madhousepod.com slash book. We'll talk to you very soon on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast was brought to you by Fry the Coop, Triple Threat Sports, and by the Since In Law Group. How dare you bring that up to me during a show, jerk?
I'm Amira Rose Davis, historian and co-host of the sports podcast, Burn It All Down. And now I'm hosting the new season of American Prodigy, all about Black girls in gymnastics. For the last 40 years, Black gymnasts have moved from the margins to the core of the sport and changed gymnastics along the way. Now they tell their stories. You'll meet trailblazers like Diane Durham, superstars like Jordan Childs, and everyone in between. Listen to American Prodigies on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts.